0: a Yahtzee <laughs> we have Yardzee
1: it's, <laughs> it's a giant version of Yahtzee Pittsburgh I'm- Steelers fans welcome to the Steelers preview I'm Jeff Hartman co-editor behind the steel curtain.com and we were just having a riveting discussion about the a game I grew up with it was a childhood game the board game dice game Yahtzee I love Yahtzee. I've always loved Yahtzee. You haven't played Yahtzee in a long time. Brian Anthony Davis joins us. Brian, you were talking about what? Yardzee? Yeah, my wife just bought something called Yardzee. Is that a, like the Hills version of Yahtzee? It's,
0: it's a giant <laughs> version of it. That I guess you take to the beach. It's in a big bucket.
1: Oh, okay. Giant dice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dave Schofield, the other co-editor of Behind the Steel Curtain, is with us. Dave, are, are you a Yahtzee guy?
2: I always enjoyed it growing up. I haven't played it for a very long time, but now I'm thinking about it. That would be, that wouldn't be a bad game for now that my, my kids are getting yeah. a little bit older and they can handle it.
1: You just got to yell Yahtzee, which I remember yep. who was one of the ESPN anchors used to call that. And that was a great call on the, on the, on the highlight. I, Yahtzee. I, I think it was Craig Kilborn. Craig Kilborn, I remember him for saying Jumanji. Yeah, Jumanji. I I think it was
0: Yahtzee.
2: I love him. I'm thinking it was the Van Pelt commercial for when he was doing the – he was like in a closet practicing stuff for for Ken Griffey Jr. home runs because I remember he's like, it's never iffy if it's Griffey. (laughs) No, that blows. And I remember I think one of them was Yahtzee, but I can't remember.
0: And Kilborn used to do when uh, Dennis Rodman was playing, he'd call him Wormy and go,
1: Wormy. It just goes to show you, my gosh, how the drop off of ESPN. <laughs> ESPN used to be so good. And SportsCenter was must watch TV. As a kid, we'd go to my friend's house every morning in the summer and we would watch the highlights multiple times. It was always fun. You always caught something new, whether it was oh, great. Uh, but I digress.
2: I was going to say, Jeff, this isn't the hangover. <laughs> Let's actually talk yes, about Steelers.
1: <laughs> he calls you out, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> The Pittsburgh Steelers host the Cleveland Browns on Sunday at one o'clock week six, four and one Cleveland Browns. I've been saying this all week because I think it's hysterical. The last time the Browns were four and one, Bill Belichick was the head coach and Nick Saban was his assistant in 1994. There are some people in the live chat that weren't even alive when that happened, but here we are. The Browns are four and one Steelers are four. No, this is a gigantic game but guys I have a question for you we're all at differing points of our life meaning we're all different ages in terms of a rivalry this is a question I saw posed on Twitter recently as it goes to a rivalry we all know the Ravens are the pinnacle with the Steelers however where do the Browns fall and what do the Browns need to do to get some of that machismo back in terms of the rivalry Brian we'll start with you as the elder statesman The Browns did it. They brought the rivalry back by being complete
0: total thugs last November 14th. Oh, good point. And swinging helmets. And they brought it back this week when Kareem Hunt, who is a piece of garbage. You know how I always (laughs) talk about how when it's brown, flush it down, and it's no longer really... They're not playing like when it's brown, flush it down. But guys like Kareem Hunt, and Miles Garrett, they're complete pieces of crap. So you know what? When he comes out this week, I, I'm, fired up. I'm really fired up. What did he say? So, what did he say? Kareem Hunt wants revenge on the Steelers for Miles Garrett. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I mean, what in the world is? I mean, if you're infecting, if the rest of the team was believing that garbage, then you're going to see some dirty crap
1: this week. Well, we We know it's going to be a physical game. We know there's going to be some heated discussion. I think this would be a different story if the locker rooms were open, if Mason Rudolph had a microphone in his face this week, which he will not because there's no way the Steelers will ever put him up in front of a Zoom call because there's no need to. He's a backup quarterback. But I got a feeling that – the Steelers players, when they hear Kareem Hunt's comments, it it, sound, it, it ha- would have to sound like the teacher on Charlie Brown. Wah, 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 They're focused on just beating the crap out of this team on Sunday at Heinz Field and, and really proving a lot of points. We'll get to that in a second. But Dave, in terms of rivalries, how do you view the Browns and what needs to happen for this rivalry to kind of get back to where it was?
2: Um, they have to be better than the Ravens. If they're, well, if, I'm until, not saying it no. has to
1: beat the Ravens, but to be considered a rivalry, like what needs? Do you don't think that they have to beat the Ravens? No, the I think they have, no, they
2: have to be a better team than the Ravens. Oh. So, and if they're not a better team than the Ravens, then the Ravens are going to be the bigger rivalry. Because yes, you can have this other side crap going on, but really, it's ultimately about about wins and losses in football games. So, we will always be the Browns' biggest rival. We will always be the What's that other team in Ohio? The Bengals' biggest rival. And we're the and we're the and we're the Ravens' biggest rival. Yeah. That we I I ran that article this summer when it was a fan pulse thing of who their biggest rival was. Every single team, overwhelmingly, in the AFC North, said it was the Steelers. But of course, the Steelers, the only one they even really gave any recognition to was the Ravens. The other two are just
0: eh. they're four and one and they're dangerous, though. And yeah. they've got, I mean, they are a rival again. They are definitely a rival. They've been a rival before. I mean, I know it's intermittent, but you know what? If they come out and beat the Steelers, they're, the rival, they're a rival for the rest of the year. When that happened on November 14th, everybody was looking at December 1st and could not wait for that game. You can't tell me that wasn't a
2: rivalry game on December 1st last year.
1: It was. Well, I'm not it saying
2: it's not a rivalry, but I'm saying it's not going to be anywhere close to the biggest rivalry until they're better than the
1: Ravens. I think there's room for, for more. Okay. There's a lot of angst between these two teams. And let's be honest in the past few years, that angst has left the Ravens rivalry uh, with Terrell Suggs leaving and, and the the Ray Lewis retiring and all this stuff. There's not that hatred that was once there with the Ravens. It's more of like that mutual respect. It makes me want to puke, but um, the Browns, no, that's not there you need to bring back Joey Porter for this game. Let him walk around with his Jersey up before the game, flexing his muscles, fight somebody. That's what they need. Joey jr. Puts $10 in the tip charts. His Kareem hunt needs to shut his mouth. Our defense is only giving up 1.4 yards per rush. And that's what their base defense The Steelers. We're going to talk about this, Dave. I'm, I definitely want to let you talk in a second about the numbers and Dave's stacky show, which ran Thursday morning. If you haven't checked that out yet, it's only on our audio platform do so because it really paints a good picture of what these two teams do well and what it's going to come down to on Sunday. But we'll get into that. We'll get into all that. So, all right. You think that's going to matter, Brian? Like, do you think that's going to give any extra motivation to the Steelers? Kareem Hunt saying he's going to be a revenge for Miles Garrett? No,
0: that's what I'm afraid of because they're coming in businesslike. They're coming in to play the game. What I'm afraid of is that you have a bunch of renegades on the other side that are going to think that they're out for revenge that they don't even need. That they did there's no revenge here. They're they're building this up, coming in all fired up against a team that's like, you know, there's no need for this. I mean, we're not seeing it the same way. But when they are off the charts lunatic and crazy coming into a fight, that's a dangerous team. And this
1: is a lunatic and crazy team coming in. I think that this is the perfect storm for the Steelers, to be honest with you, because if if let's say the Browns were two and three or one and four, like the Bengals, no one would be paying that much attention to this game. They're four and one. They have Pittsburgh's attention. It's the last of a four game home stretch. The Steelers, hear what people are saying about them and how there's only the teams they've beaten. There's only been two wins from as a collective after the five week span, they hear that stuff and they want to prove themselves worthy of all the praise that they've been getting. And they want to prove that their undefeated record is not just smoke and mirrors. I think this Steelers team is going to be really, really focused. And I think it's going to be bad news for the Browns. Dave, go ahead. If you want to chime in.
2: I was agreeing with you. That's all I was doing. I was okay. shaking my head in agreement all right. is, is that I, I like this. I always have a little bit more confidence with the Steelers when they're going up against a very difficult opponent than I do when there's someone that's kind of flying under the radar because it's the NFL. Teams are still, I mean, they're still NFL teams. You know, sometimes people like to say, oh, well, this college team could beat this. And no, they're still professionals. That's that they're, they're going to beat anybody else. And that's why it's very rare that a team goes all season without winning a game, because these are professionals and they will eventually find at least one way to win at some point. So you just don't want to be that team when it's those teams that are, are struggling. But when the Steelers go up against teams that are a more uh, formidable opponent, a lot of times they will rise to the occasion. Good, Brian, And, you know, I'm fine with
0: all of that, but the X factor is the lunacy on the other side. You can't talk turkey with a crazy wishbone. And that's what's happening when, you know, the Browns are coming in, have all these delusions in their head. They're dangerous when that happens. Baker's, Baker's nuts too. You know, Baker's insane. This entire team is off the charts stupid. And Pittsburgh's coming in. As a business like team, they're you know they're focused, but you can lose your focus real quick when you have a bunch of idiots on the other side upsetting the Apple cart.
1: You're making you're painting this picture like it's Vontez Perfect and Pac-Man Jones and the Bengals. Like, do you yes, really think it, it, you no, think it's that level? I really, five, they, I really don't.
2: They lost the biggest idiot from last year. They lost the biggest idiot from last year. Who? Kitchens.
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs> that guy is an
2: idiot they've got someone in there that's that i yes he's he's dealing with other stuff but he's doing a much better job i mean i i'll tip my cap cap to him i think that Stefanski's doing a nice job in cleveland i think he's the right man for the job to to kind of change things there he worked with tomlin when they were both in minnesota he's a he's a good coach they should have hired him the year before
0: I'm not going to argue with that. I'm just going to say you've got renegades on that team that are going to take matters into their own hands. You've got vigilantes on the Browns, and you can't stop that with a headset on the sideline. You just can't. <laughs> Something There's going to be penalties like crazy in this game. There is going to be a lot to talk about after this game. There is going to be unsportsmanlike going forward out the yin-yang, and it's going to be ugly. There's going to be points when you're going to remember and wax poetically about Vontez Berfic, because I'm telling you
1: what, the Browns are the new Berfect. Just wait till Vince Williams gets his hands on Hunt the first time, because those two, if you go back to last year, there was a game I believe Chubb missed a game last year as well against the Steelers. Those two had some exchanges. We'll put it that way. I don't think that was lost. There's no love lost. I don't want to make it sound like the the, the Steelers are just like, oh, here we go. Another day at the Mm -hmm. office. No, trust me. They're motivated. They're motivated. They're just not running their mouths. That's the only difference. All right, Dave, do me a favor. Give the people that are listening, whether you're watching us live or whether you're listening on audio, it doesn't matter. Give us the Cliff's Notes. Do they still make Cliff's Notes? By the way, I lived off those in college. <laughs> I, don't know if I should have. <laughs> it's called the internet. That's what you have now.
2: Yeah, well, it's yeah, Giggle. that's
1: that's risky. <laughs> that's risky business, man. Yeah. They, they have those search engines. They can tell if you're stealing stuff. I Give us know, the man. Cliff's Notes of. Your show with Strength versus Strength. I think it's important yeah. that we talk about this.
2: Well, I I want everyone to know this because there's a little bit of discrepancy. I adjusted my league ranks for the Steelers based on them only playing 4 games versus 5. Cuz it's not fair to say that oh yeah, the Steelers have the um fourth best passing defense in the league because they played one less game. Yeah. When really if you average it out they're 16th. But where it goes is if you adjust it based on the number of games played, uh, Cleveland is the number one rushing offense. They are averaging 188.4 yards per game. Now, that was down last week without without Chubb. It was their lowest one, but the, it's still up there. The Steelers, after it's adjusted, are the number two ranked rush defense. They're not number one, as some people think. They technically are with yards, but Tampa – is really close. And because they played an, an extra game, technically, you could say they they give up less yards per game. But the Steelers are, are only giving up 64 yards a game on the ground. So you're talking something's got to give. Either the Browns aren't going to be able to run as much, the Steelers are going to give up more yards, or it's going to be somewhere in the middle.
1: Okay. Yeah. It, it's strength versus strength. Brian, when you think about what part of the Steelers team really has to perform well in this game to put them over the top? What is it you think of doesn't have to be offense or it can be either, or it doesn't have to be one or the other. What aspect of the Steelers needs to really step up? Defending the backs out of the backfield, catching mm. passes.
0: That's what I'm concerned about. I am less concerned about so I need the the linebackers. I need the the middle uh, the middle of the field. I need Bush
1: to really uh, lead the way. That's a good one. That's a really good point because they do like to get into Stefanski. I read this statistic that I guess he was in Minnesota last year. They ran more screens in Minnesota than anyone else in the National Football League. Yet Cleveland has only run like seven this year. They're they're expecting him to do a lot of that against the Steelers to counteract the blitz. Um, Something to think about. I like that point. What about you, Dave? What do you think? When you think about the Steelers need to do something really well, what is it? Well,
2: that's 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 a great answer for bad. Yeah. That's the answer I think is that I am more I'm I said this on my stat geek show. I'm more concerned about this about the Browns, about Kareem Hunt as a receiver than I am as a rusher in this game. Um it doesn't mean that he that he can't rush. I'm I'm just worried about that. Think of Saquon Barkley in week one where he was shut yeah. down in the rush and yet still did did adequate when it came to the passing game so i guess i should kind of look at it as as on the other side and as that's that's they, they've got to keep ben upright and i mean and it's not even just that you got to keep them from getting to ben and even laying the hit on him late as he throws the ball so whether you're talking about quick passes whether you're talking about effective running game whatever it is you're doing you want to keep ben rofflesberger as clean as possible
1: yeah, and the Steelers have actually done a really good job of that uh, in the past few weeks, even against Philly. Everyone thinks Philly, you know, known for their defense, and they are, and they're a good defense, and they, we'll they do get week. after the quarterback. But Cleveland doesn't have – I think they have 14 sacks on the season. 12. No, 12, even Twelve. worse. Yep, okay, I so- right here.
2: They have 12 sacks, 12 takeaways.
1: Yeah, and they're, they're leading, lead the, league, they're leading the league in takeaways. They're also lead the league in uh, plus-minus with, I think, a plus-six the last I checked. I think they were in terms of the and then they don't turn it over a lot. I feel like the Browns are feast or famine. It, they, I really do. I feel like the Steelers don't turn the football over because that's what they've done. They've been giving Baker Mayfield short fields, and they've been giving him extra possessions. If you don't give them those two things, I still, I've said it a million times, Baker Mayfield sucks. I've watched film on this guy. You watched a breakdown on him the other day. He is not playing well, and he has an injury he's dealing with. I've heard it called ribs. I've heard it a shoulder, and they're labeling it as a chest. So I don't care what it is. He's been limited the first two days of this week in terms of injuries. Wait till he gets hit. The Steelers might not sack him, but they're going to hit him. They hit every quarterback they play. Ask Jeff Driscoll. Ask Carson Wentz. They hit everybody. So when he starts getting popped, he's not even, he hasn't been accurate with the football all season, just waiting until he gets high. But honestly, for me, the key is red zone offense. The Steelers' red zone offense has been better, not good. It was better than what it was last year. Last year was atrocious. I think last year they finished with a 38% in terms of converting into touchdowns. I think this year so far through four games, they're at 60%. Not horrible, but if they can score touchdowns and they can force the game into Baker Mayfield's hand and they can't worry about it, they can't rely on the run, make them one-dimensional. That's something Mike Tomlin talked about on Tuesday. They asked him, what's the benefit of playing with a lead? Something they didn't have a lot of last year. He said, you can stay balanced on offense and you're forcing the defense to be one-dimensional. And the offense, in terms of your defense, knows exactly what they're trying to do. You saw it with the Eagles, Carson Wentz had to throw the ball to get back in there and they were down by two scores. Now, did he? Yes. But still, that's what they want to do. They want to have that lead and they want to make sure they can dictate and so, so to speak. So we'll see how that pans out. Brian, anything to add? Or are you good? The only other thing I want to say, I agree with you on
0: Baker sucking. I mean, I think he does, <laughs> but here's, here's the thing last year in that week, 12 game or whatever week it was, November 14th, whatever uh, that
2: 10. Yeah. Week it was 10. 10.
0: Uh, All I know is November 14th is etched in my brain forever. And I got to tell you, here's the thing about it. When he got confidence early on in that game and they weren't getting the pressure on Baker, he was making it work. So as much as he sucks, he got that he really got the uh got that game won by uh completing some really good passes and not getting knocked over by the Steelers really wasn't
1: I don't think this is a game and I don't want to get too far into the show because we have the over-undercoming. I don't think this is a game that the Steelers will end up with a lot of sacks unless they get the lead and Baker Mayfield has to really drop back to pass and try to deliver strikes down the field. They're going to try the short intermediate routes. They're going to try to get the ball out of his hands quickly. They don't want him to get hit, but he's so small. He's a wee man that this is where Stefan Tuitt, Tyson Alualu, Cam Hayward, if they're smart and they can read his eyes get your hands up, knock the ball down at the line of scrimmage. And the defense has to be prepared for that. You can't give them the cushion. And I did see as one of the Cleveland Browns defensive backs said that, you know, the last four games the Steelers have played, the the defenders have been playing with so much cushion. They've just taken under everything underneath. Well, I mean, Chase Claypool had a pretty good body of work in week five. I don't know if you want to bump him at the line of scrimmage. He's a pretty big guy. Let's talk about that though. This for the next segment here. The Steelers offensive weapons. Now we don't know about Deontay Johnson because he was limited today. He mispracticed on Wednesday. This is being recorded on Thursday night. I still believe that predicting who's going to break out for the Steelers team every single week is extremely difficult because right when you think it's going to be Juju, a team might double Juju and it turns into Chase Claypool. If you had to predict who's going to break out on offense for the Steelers in week six, who's it going to be Brian? We'll start with you.
0: Well, first of all, which one of you predicted Chase last week? Was it you, Dave? Or is it you, Jeff? Well, it, one of you did it. it well, no, really well,
2: whoa, 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 whoa. Who, well, predict- no, who predicted him? That would be I, Jeff. Yes. Okay. Who was smart enough to play him in FanDuel? Uh, this guy. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. I mean, that's all well. I God. listened to the master Jeff. Yeah, you <laughs> did. didn't <laughs> even <laughs> listen to himself. And no. I polished <laughs> <us to> everybody. <laughs> Right. No,
1: that was not. Hey, that was not a fantasy football segment. That was the X Factor segment. I said, "Let them loose." They did. They listened to me. Just wait till the X Factor segment in the second part of this episode. I'll give I another was be a one
2: too, and it paid off. <laughs> I guess it. Is.
0: <laughs> I actually have to answer that question with Juju, and I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to say Juju because now Chase Claypool has got to have your attention. Is he going to have four touchdowns this week? Is he going to have two? You don't know what he's going to have. You know Ben's going to go to him because he loves that receiver now. He has the trust of that receiver. He's going to go to him. But Ben's smart enough to go with the guy that is open and that's going to help him out. He has great peripheral vision. He's probably going to look at Juju Smith-Schuster a lot in this game because you can't forget about Chase Claypool now. And then that throws in the opportunity for James Washington. So it's kind of a crapshoot with any of those, these guys. Next thing you know, they're in the laboratory. They're working up stuff like they did last week for Ray, Ray McLeod. So they know that any of these guys on any given Sunday could win the game for their own team. And they, they trust all five of these guys now. So when this week and two weeks ago, When Deontay Johnson goes down, nobody was freaking out because you knew what they had everywhere else. Claypool's probably going to be the number one guy pretty soon, but Juju still has enough mojo to get it going, and Ben, trust him, and Ben's going to find
1: him. I would, I'm really anxious to see what the Browns do with Denzel Ward. If they have him follow a receiver, I'm not sure if that's something they do. I don't watch the Browns unless I absolutely have to. Um, But I'm curious to see, will they follow, will they have him on Chase Claypool? Even if he's in the slot. Uh, That's what the Steelers have been doing a lot. They they love to attack from the slot, whether it's Juju or Chase Claypool. Dave, if you had to predict an offensive breakout, who is it? I mean, you're just as well. Playing Yahtzee, you know, pull out, <laughs> pull out the dice.
2: Uh, you know, you know, you got six different guys, just roll the dice and say, I'll go with this one this week. No, real. I mean, you can look down and, and see where you think the matchup really goes. I like the matchup with Juju. I think bottom line is the Browns, are they going to overcompensate for claypool? I'm gonna say overcompensate. Uh, I mean, you have to compensate for him. I just mean by by make it by doing that to make somebody else. More open and avail- you know, have, be able to have a bigger game. They probably will. They probably will have to do that with Claypool. They can't because if they let that that if that guy tears up the NFL two straight weeks, the Browns are going to be like everyone's going to say to the Browns. What were you thinking? How could you let him do that after what you saw last week? So I I, I think Juju is a great answer, and if he could, I would even say Deontay Johnson. But I would I still want to. I'm still not 100 percent sure about him being healthy. Can I ask a quick side question? To yeah. You guys? Yeah. You put Johnson back there anymore for punts? Or are you ready to go with Ray Ray McLeod? Because I, I think he does more. I I don't see a big drop off there.
1: So, I, and that's what I,
2: that's what I'd I'd like like to I sent you.
1: I sent that message to you, Dave, when we were during the game. And it's yeah. But wide. what's funny
2: is I got that like two minutes after my brother said it. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> they need to have Ray Ray back there.
1: <laughs> Because like you said, there's not a big drop-off. It would yeah. be different if you were throwing back, uh, I don't know, Anthony McFarland, and he's yeah. just going to fair catch the ball. Like, yeah. Ray Ray McLeod is a good return man, and he has done nothing as of yet to prove that he can't get the job done and be effective doing it. So it's going to be interesting to see mm-hmm. what happens. I always think when we – to go back to the prior question with um, the breakout players, I always think about – the Bill Belichick style of approach to a game. What does Belichick always do? Like what when he's getting his defense? What does he always do? Mixing it up. Well, he takes away, he takes, away he, he takes, takes away one away thing. Your best thing. one, your best thing, and makes you beat you with the others. And mm-hmm. so that's why when they played the Steelers, when the Killer Bees were out there, what would he always do? He'd always take away Le'Veon Bell because he felt that we're going to take away Le'Veon Bell is the most dynamic player. And then they would take, they would double team Antonio Brown. I mean, he was so creative. i am always think to myself, if it's a copycat league and other defensive coordinators are doing that, how would you approach the Steelers with this versatile offense? And Brian, you kind of touched on this a little bit when you were just talking about, okay, so do I put two people on Chase Claypool after his big game? Or do I think that's just a flash in the pan and I still focus on Juju Smith-Schuster? And then what about Eric Ebron? What about Deontay Johnson if he plays? James Washington is no slouch, and I guarantee you he's going to break out in one of these games. I'm not sure when, but he's going to break out. We've seen glimpses of them taking shots to Washington, haven't connected yet. I think they're due. I'm not sure if it's this game or not, but you have to wonder, if you're the defensive coordinator, and we'll finish the first segment on this topic. Dave, if you're the defensive coordinator, how do you approach defending the Steelers' offense in 2020? Whew. It's tough. It's you really have to, tough. Honestly,
2: <laughs> your biggest your focus has to be Ben Roethlisberger because, I mean, seriously, because you can't say, "Oh, let's take away one of his weapons," because he's got too many of them. So, but I don't know what to do to to, to take out Ben Roethlisberger. You you can't blitz him. Well. he'll he'll know yeah, what, he'll, he'll know what, what to do. do. So I don't, I I don't, I don't. You know what? But that's not the. the we're for the Steelers. We don't have to answer that <laughs> no, question. No, but this is a good. This is a good problem to have. We're talking a about self-analysis. I don't want to do that. No, <laughs> I I don't know what to do. I mean, I look at that touchdown, and it's funny because uh, Jeffrey Benedict reminded me of this today. The, the touchdown to Claypool, where they had the had the four bunch on the one side. He said, "What back when when Haley was there, they called that the hypocycloid." Um, I don't know if that's true or not, but I I love it if that's yeah. the name. You know, put the, the four guys out there, Ebron to the side. Twenty-two formation. That was two tight ends and two running backs. They were in a four-four defense. They, they they only had three defensive backs, so you split you split them out wide, you know. And 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 they didn't adjust over that far that way enough. Well, if they do, then you've got Ebron one-on-one, and that's where that's why Ben said he threw it to Ebron all those times in practice because the Steelers. Adjusted properly. Instead, the Eagles are out there trying to say it's a flag. And I have no idea why they're saying that. I'm like, they've got two eligible guys on the line of scrimmage. Nothing they're doing is wrong. So that so because they didn't line up out there, it was just beautiful because there was nothing the defense could do that was right. If you put a different personnel package out there, unless you have guys that can that that are great against the run and the pass, you know, you know, a bunch of Ryan Chase ears, let's just say that. Um, out there, what do you do there? I mean, especially when your one wide receiver is chase Claypool, which you know, the talk is he's built like a tight end. Who was the one NFL guy that was saying he's basically gronk, you know, but, but faster. There was someone I saw. Someone well, Chris, about Chris Sims compared
1: him to yeah. Megatron. Yeah. When he was drafted. So, so just some he,
2: crazy stuff. Yeah. So, but, and that's why the Steelers need the creativity on offense. I think that's the best we've seen so far this past week, because you can get, you can force the mismatches if you set them up that way. And I really like how it's evolving so far this season. I'm going to say it again, because I said it on the Scobro show. The Steelers still aren't even to a point where they should be out of the preseason. Yeah. They were supposed to have five preseason games Good point. and they have not played five games yet. So, they're they're on their way. I'm I'm yeah. I'll
1: this is that. where this is where Dave this is where Dave is a defensive coordinator walks in and goes, all right, guys, we got a tough test ahead of us. <laughs> got to go play hard. Got to go <laughs> right. play in hard. Narrator. Hey, get day. Hey. <laughs> go ahead, Brian. Take a stab I, at it. FYI,
2: it's... I was right about that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> go ahead, Brian. What are your thoughts on the uh, defending the Steelers' offense? All right, guys.
0: If I'm defending the Steelers offense, I'm going to poop in one hand and wish in the other because <laughs> they are like the board game clue. If Professor Plum doesn't get you in the conservatory with the revolver, Colonel Mustard, Colonel Mustard sure is hell, is going to get you with the rope in the conservatory. What's with the I'm board games
2: th- tonight?
1: <laughs> <laughs> this I'm sorry. episode
0: of BTSes. Steelers preview is brought to you by Parker Brothers. Um, Mrs. Peacock with the revolver.
1: In the game of life. In the
0: conservatory. (laughs) I got to tell you, I mean, I really, I don't want to have to defend these guys because this is the deepest and most versatile Steeler offense Ben Roethlisberger's ever had. And I could honestly say that. I really Because we're talking about, Jeff, you brought up a great point. Belichick was able to take away Antonio Brown. He's able to take away Le'Veon Bell. But here's the thing: there's not a Sammy Coates or a Kobe Hamilton that you're going to next. Yeah. There's so much more than that, and that's where the Steelers are dangerous. And I would. This is what they they put this team together. Remember, we always talk about the window closing. Well, they put this team together for that window starting to close, and they said Ben. You're coming back healthy. We are going to go ahead and give you every opportunity to score at any time you want to. Can your elbow do it? And to quote our good friend Lance Williams, I didn't come back. I didn't come back from an elbow injury to hand the ball off. So Ben is going to go crazy with these guys. And I there's gray hairs in Cleveland right now trying to figure out how they're going to defend these guys. And here's the thing. The, Dave mentioned it. They're not really theoretically out of the preseason yet, so here's the deal. They're 4-0, and and they only broke 30
2: once. When they get humming, oh, look out, Loretta. And, and when I made that comment about the preseason, that's not just really the players because, I mean, yeah, you, you know they wouldn't have played as much. I'm just even talking from a coaching and planning standpoint that you would have I, doing I'm that. agreeing with you. So, yeah, so it's th- there's multiple ways to look at
1: it. Dave, I know you have this stat in front of you. How many passing yards are the Browns giving up? On average per game?
2: The the passing yards. (laughs) They are giving up on average 296.4 yards per game. They are 30th in the NFL. Now, a lot of that was because of that Dallas game.
1: I don't care. I'm going to say this. Mm -hmm. Keep Ben upright. He's going to pick you apart. It's going to be like a bunch of small little gashes killing you every single time. Just gash, gash, gash. First down long time consuming drives that end in points. You can't do anything about it. That's right, folks. This is a good problem to have. Steelers fans should be excited. And we're going to be right back for those listening on audio platform for part two. If you're on YouTube, don't go anywhere. We're not going anywhere. Check us out on part two. Be right back.